Happy Monday. It's time for Generation Tech. I'm Todd Brinker, and I'm joined by my dad, Jack. How you doing today? I'm doing fine. Yeah, another Monday, another Generation Tech show. And uh, we got lots of stuff to talk about. Um, one of the things I want to start with, though, is towards the end of our show last week, we kind of went off on or, or had a, a long discussion about the um, uh, announcement that Apple was going to be scanning through people's um, iCloud for for uh, images that match the child pornography database that's that's managed by the government. Uh, and then a second thing that they were going to be doing was also scanning through iMessages, and there's been a lot of details about that that have been, um, you know, Apple's gone into more detail about what they're doing, and there's a lot of um, misconceptions and things that I think were published that were incorrect, at least initially, on that. And so, kind of as you and I had supposed, Apple's doing a lot of things to make sure that they don't actually ever have to put hands on your stuff. They're, they're kind of implementing a multiple-step process to do those two different things, and those two things are very different. First of all, with the messages thing, it only applies to children under the age of 13 who are in a family plan whose family opts them into it. So they will only be checking the messages of those children, and when the... when when. And, and that's using basically artificial intelligence to scan for photos that, and this is how they actually worded it, Apple, Apple words it when the pop-up comes up, if there are photos of things that would be covered by a bathing suit, is how they phrased it. So if, if they, through using artificial intelligence, believe there's a photo of something that would be normally covered by a bathing suit, then they will block the image and they will say to the kid, you know, do you want to open this? If you do, we'll notify your parents. Or you can just say skip it. Right. And it gives the kids the option of, you know, either not looking at it so that it will, um, you know, well, that, it disappear. These, these are, or or these, you can look at it, but we'll let your mom and dad know. First of all, these are kids under the age of 12. Now, that is assuming that they, when they signed in on their phone or whoever get, set up their phone, that yeah, they have a correct birthday. Well, but it's 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 but they also it's not just kids under twelve. It's kids who have I, I think it's twelve and under. That's why I said under thirteen. But it's um, I'm not it, hearing you. Oh, hello. Go ahead. Okay. So anyway, it's you know it's they also have to be. It's not just any twelve under twelve kid. It's those that have are part of a family plan, which presumably right. means that a parent then set up a family plan. And when you do that, you can identify people in your family as adults or children. Right. And so, you know, I have a family plan. I have two children in my family plan, but both of my children are adults, so they're not marked as kids. So it doesn't block, you know, they won't do that. But there's lots of other parental things that are built into the family plan that work that way, that you can, you can, you know, block certain things and you can... Uh, uh, you know, like you can uh, set up your family plan so that it blocks explicit lyrics of music, so they can't listen to music where there's there's bad language. Um, yeah. And uh, and so this is just one more feature for that. So in that sense, excuse me, in that sense, I I have absolutely no issues with that particular feature. The feature that people have been up in arms about is the one where they're going to be using a hash of images from the national database of child pornography, and they're going to 
run it against hashes of images in people's iCloud accounts. So what what happens is you will be getting a um, uh, you know they, they won't actually ever see the photos. What they're doing is they're they're looking at a hash of a specific photo and comparing it to hashes of photos from your iCloud account. And if there are enough hits, and they didn't say how many that is, because if they say a number, then people will know to, that they can get away with things right up to that number, right? So they didn't say what the number of hits was, but if they right. get enough hits, then they will report that person a, as having a you know um, some of these photos. And the photos are this one is not using any AI at all. It's it's matching hashes of specific photos that have already been put into this database of child pornography so it's and, known photos and um and it's you know it's that actual image it's not something similar to or like it's that actual image so the hash has to match yes and that presents other problems if you edit to the photo that's in your library in any way pretty good chance you're not going to get the same hash well, they say that they have solved that problem. That 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 there are um, that that the way the hash is set up, it's using enough points off the photo that they're doing hashes of actual like multiple points on the photo, and that oh. that you can get enough hits so that even if you change it to a black and white photo, or you rotate it or crop it, that it will um, still register as a hit it just won't be a hundred percent hit it'll be a partial hit and that's why they said there's a threshold that you have to have before they will then you know turn it over to um authorities now yeah. where that runs afoul of people who are um concerned about this and 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 i understand their issue but i you know you got to weigh this against the idea that there's people out there who are trafficking in you know images of of, of children um is What's to stop somebody from China, like China from saying, we're giving you a pile of hashes. We want you to do the same thing with these photos. But these photos aren't, you know, actually photos of child pornography. They're, they're people who are political dissidents. Yep. You know, and, and Apple's response is, we won't do that. And I'm like, well, up to this point, Apple has respected the laws of whatever country they're in whether they like the laws or not. And they have, you know, they've, they've taken all of their servers and and put them in China, run by Chinese companies, um, for, for anybody using iCloud accounts in China. I, I think the, uh, uh, that, that uh, there needs to be some control over them, governmental control of any organization that, that they use hashes from. In other words, they have to be identified and approved by our politicians somewhere. Yeah, so you say the, the government right. should be able to tell a private business you're not allowed to do business in this country because we believe this country is bad. Yeah. Yeah, because the government in our country is us, right? Whereas in other countries, the government is whoever's got the most guns or money. Although those who would argue that, that, that the government in our country is also those really run by those who have the most money. So, yep. you know, yep. I don't know. 
I, I, I don't disagree with that, but I don't know that I agree with it either. I, I have to think about it a little bit to, to mull it over some. Um, as as uh, somebody pointed out over the weekend, I was reading about this as you know because China passed a law a while back saying that all iCloud storage has to be on Chinese soil. It can't be. We don't want you know our iCloud information stored in a different country. And there's yeah. multiple countries who have done that. But because China did that, uh, they essentially have access to everybody's iCloud backups already. So there's no reason for them to want to do this this hash search. <laughs> they already have it. So they're, yeah. they're like, well, you know, what's the point? And if that's the case, then yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not as irritated by this as... I was when I first read about it. I still think that Apple has kind of opened a can of worms because I don't trust that they can set, do what they say they're going to do, which is refuse to use this technology in in situations where a country says that they have to in order to operate in that country. Yeah. You know, they say they'll just say no. But if you once you've shown you have the technology to do that, countries are going to say, that's the law in our country. And if you don't like it, then we're just not going to talk to you. They've, you know, you, given, you won't be able to they've work given, here. They've given governments the language under which to uh, provide pr- real pressure on specific their specific capabilities. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know? okay, now we can go through and we can search through photos looking for somebody they, or something. And we've yeah. shown you a way to do it that that doesn't allow us to actually see the photos. So we feel like our hands are clean. Um, and yet... We've provided governments with ill intent towards their people a way to, to force us to do that, you know. And, and and Apple doesn't seem to recognize that, or at least they feel like the trade-off is there. And maybe it's because they they've already conceded the fact that they will put your iCloud database within the 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 walls of your country if you pass a law saying they have to. And if you do that, then you already have access to everything that they're they're yeah. proposing to search. It, it probably turns out that they've been doing this hash thing with China for some time to get leverage to, to make Well, they money. don't even have to. They don't have to because they have the entire iCloud backup already in China, in the hands of Chinese nationals. No, no I, I think they have to uh, 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 more than that. It's the phone interacting with the – it's the whole system. It's the phone and the cloud. It's not just you – know, Yeah, well, I mean – what this doesn't do, and, and you're right, is if somebody gets an I, iPhone and then chooses not to activate iCloud for backups, mm-hmm. then then there's no way to check stuff on the phone until now. Now you can actually do the hash checking on the phone. And, and, and so even if you don't do your backups in the cloud, you can't avoid having your data available to whomever controls that database, which... You know, in the case of China, is China. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, remember uh, when the 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 uh, shooting happened in San Bernardino, and the FBI wanted Apple to crack a phone open, and Apple said, "We we can't. We don't know how to do it. I mean, it's it's you know, we've designed it so it can't be cracked open." Um, they did at that time tell the FBI, "We can't open the phone for you, but you can go look at the backups. We have those, and they're not encrypted." So, here you go. Yep. You know, um, 
And then they can go to the phone carrier, whomever it was, Verizon, T-Mobile, AT&T, you know, Sprint at the time. I don't know who it was. But you go to the phone carrier and say, I want to see all the phone calls they've made and to where and what time. Yeah, yeah. well, regardless of how this uh, evolves and turns out, it's very evident that if you read comments on anything as- associated with Apple these days, especially uh, areas that uh, where they're trying to get, you know, customer support, uh, that uh, or uh, well, let me go back to the uh, uh, just a minute. I forgot yeah. what I was going to say. And well, I think uh, where you're going was is that d- despite the fact that they'd like to use security and privacy as a marketing tool that it's yeah. very clear that that they are in bed with whatever government they're operating under and that those countries, if they say you have to give us this information, Apple acquiesces. Now, they certainly make a public display of saying there are certain things we won't do, but they have cre- have continued to develop, obviously, and, and, and have created other ways for the, uh, for the government to get information about, uh, from that person's account, whether it be directly on the phone or from their backups. No, it, I, I found the article. It's specific to their walled garden and third-party app stores. Okay, that's and, a separate and, conversation. And it is, but it, it's connected because if you go to the comments of that art, the, the, that article is people don't give a damn and don't buy Apple's uh, arguments at all anymore. Just about every one of the comments says, after what you guys have done, I'm the hell with you guys. I'm not supporting you. Let's go for third-party app stores. They're poor. They're on the opposite Well, yeah, side. There's, a, there's a lot of people. I think those are people in the tech community who, who understand. I think the average person doesn't get that at all, and, and, and that attitude. They haven't put two and two together. But you're right. They Basically, Apple has undermined the trust of a lot of tech people because of this, this feature of scanning the iCloud with the hashes so that they can then search through your photo library without actually ever looking at your photos. And so having found a way to do that... Um, and publish the fact that they intend to do that, they've undermined the trust of a lot of technology people. And so at that point, I can see a lot of people going like, well, you know, we, we wanted you to create that walled garden so we would feel like we were using a safer system. But I, I tend to disagree with that. I think that's a knee-jerk reaction because the the idea or the the thought behind, you know, you can only have one app store for your iPhone is that those things are then checked and verified before you go get them. I don't know that I trust other people, but I guess the fa- if, if another place exists doesn't mean I have to use that other place, right? It just means it's there. Right. So, yeah. I, you know. I, I agree, you know. but I'm just saying that, that yeah. if you want to if you want to sort of measure what this has done to app companies oh, yeah. in There's Apple, there's a lot of go goodwill lost. and find all kinds. Yeah. I mean, just it's just dramatically bloomed in and it's all over the place now. Yeah. People are, and so investors in Apple at some point could turn against them too for that very reason. And they yeah. they could really see a, a damage to the company. Yeah. Well, and I think that the the initial way they announced it was poor, and and then the way it was reported was awful. In that there was a whole bunch of articles out <laughs> by big companies. I mean, you know, the New York Times yeah. and and that were absolutely factually wrong. So, so yeah. when it first came out, there was a whole bunch of stuff that made it sound much worse than it was. 
but then it's still pretty bad in terms of the technology that they're creating to do this, you know. And I guess there, to, to I mean, one way to look at it is this is something that somebody would have thought of at some point and said, Apple, why don't you do it this way? And so Apple's just trying to be ahead of the game going like, okay, well, this was somebody else was going to figure this out and suggest this is a way to do it. Um, and, you know, from Apple's perspective, it, it is keeping it secure in that, you know, people aren't just getting to look willy-nilly into your iPhotos, that they're, that they're only looking for specific matches to a specific database. The problem is, you know, who determines what that database is and, and you know, how is that database being used? How is that information being used once they find matches? And yeah. while nobody disagrees with the idea of, of finding people who are hoarding, you know, child pornography images, um, I think that you know, that it's very clear that in other countries, other databases of photos could be forced upon Apple. And, you know, will Apple really stand up to them? Or are we going to let that be used as a tool, you know, by other countries to, um, or is Apple rather going to let that be used as a tool by other countries to oppress their citizenry? Because, you know, heaven forbid that there be, you know, an iPhone that somebody has in, um, in Afghanistan, and it shows pictures of, you know, women, young girls sitting in school, and now they're going to punish those girls for going to school because their law says that girls aren't allowed to go to school. And so now those girls are at, at risk because, uh, you know, there was a photo of girls, you know, without masks covering their faces sitting in a classroom. Yeah. You know, and well, that's just one example of, of how that could be misused by a government that is, uh, you know, less than friendly to their population. Yep. Yeah. Well, I agree with you in that I think these expanded protections for children facts, frequently asked questions thing published in mm-hmm. August, unfortunately, they didn't put a date on that. I was uh, wanting to see if, you know, how recent that was because uh, if, I think when they made their first announcement, this wasn't out. This this frequently asked questions thing was attached to a memo where they were going to have their employees in the stores be prepared to answer questions regarding these capabilities. Right. That's what I understand uh, is that this, this FAQ that was published by Apple just came out in the last week or so. And this is just the information that they're giving to their people in their stores to be able to answer questions about it. Um, yeah. They have a uh, last week, at, right after we went off the air, I shared with you a link to um, a uh, expanded protection for children page that Apple also posted that was explaining this in more detail. And in fact, I think after the fact, I, I, I texted to you and said, uh, um, you know, this is uh, this is not what some of those articles had said. I mean, there's still some things that I think are of concern. But like I said, some of those articles that came out right after this was announced were just completely bogus. There was there was wrong information in there, which made it worse, seem worse than it really was in some ways. Um, right. You know, so, um, yeah. By the way, the other thing that I texted to you right at the end of last week was last week was uh, episode 53. This will be episode 54 today. That means we've been doing this for a year now. Yeah, ha- time for a celebration. Huh? Happy anniversary. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we should, we should be having a party, you know, (laughs) That's right. we have a virtual party 
You and your town, me and mine. By the way, sometimes when you send ideas for things to talk about, you should actually look at the things that were sent to you because the first two stories you sent me this morning were exactly the same two stories that I sent you yesterday. You know, I I saw that after the fact. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So the first one was uh, U.S. House bill will de- would destroy Apple or would force Apple to destroy their walled garden and allow third party app stores. And um, this is not just Apple. It's also Google and uh, and yeah. and some other countries. And, you know, one thing that I think is interesting is if they're going to do that, then they also should be they should force uh, Microsoft and Sony to take the Xbox and PlayStation app stores and allow other people to sell things into those devices. I mean, if, if oh, they're saying oh. that you can't have a, a specific store to sell into your device, then, uh, then that should apply to everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it should not be just specific. Uh, if, if that's the way the bill is worded and I didn't go, I think, I think it said it was published somewhere. I just didn't go read it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and quite honestly, I mean, part of this is, is, I think that Apple should be, if they choose to, they should be allowed to say, hey, we've created this store. This is the only place that sells into that. However, they should also say that if you want to do your payment processing through somebody else, you're more than welcome to do that. You know, it's it's either you have to allow other people to have a store or you have to allow the people who are in your store to do their payment processing through somebody else. That said, that doesn't mean they get to be there for free. If they're not doing their payment processing through you, then they need to pay a fee to allow to be in your store. You know, it's like I can't. uh, uh, And in fact, I think one of the articles was in here actually even made this this exact analogy. It's like, you know, if if Sony sells a television in Best Buy, they're not allowed to put placards up to it saying, you know, uh, scan in this QR code to get the best prices at Amazon for our TV. Uh, you right. know, or or to, or direct you to Walmart for better prices on this TV. They can't do that. They, you know, they can they can put it there, and and the store gets to decide how how it's going to be priced and what's going to be sold. Now, online stores are a little different because the 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 programmer, the manufacturer of the product, uh, gets to set the price. Um, you know, and and Apple just takes a percentage of it. But there are stores that have worked that way in the past too. I mean, on the ground stores that have worked that way, consignment stores work that way. And so, you know, it's not like that's a brand new model that's never been used before. Um, and I have absolutely no problem with them saying to the people like Apple and Google and Microsoft and Sony who run these stores for devices that sell software for devices, whether they be games or other kinds of programs, that either. You open up the store and allow other people to have a store to sell into your device, or you allow the person to do their payment processing somewhere that they think they can get a better deal. But I have, if they do that, they can certainly charge a you know rental fee for the space, right? You know, they're, yep. they, they, somebody has to pay for the servers that are serving this stuff out to the world, and the advertising essentially in within the store to uh to get your stuff known and sold i mean you know apple goes out of their way to to create an environment and that doesn't come for free and so you know it's fine if you want to if you want to use your payment processing from somewhere else then fine apple will discount your your fee you know 2.3 percent or whatever the actual payment processing charges are and then you can go you know see if you can get a better deal but uh 
But other than that, that you know, it's not like they're going to just let you be there for free. You, you still got to you still got to pay some money, you know. And the idea that that you know having multiple app stores is is a positive thing, I think you know is has been proven. Um, you know, it works fine in some sense. Like on the Mac, you've been able to for years go just download an app from somewhere. Um, but given the number and volume of people who use the 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 uh, the app store for iOS and iPad OS. Um, the idea that your stuff is at least somewhat vetted and it's not perfect, but it's, it's there, you know, there's a vetting process and things where they say that, you know, you can't have an app that does nothing. It can't just, you know, you can't, you can't have an app that does nothing until you, until you pay us money. It has to functional, have, have some, some redeeming value from the get go. Um, you know, I, I, I like that. Although Apple doesn't, you know, they say they treat everybody the same, you know, what does the Netflix app do for you before you, you sign up for their service? When you download it, it does nothing. So, so that idea, they haven't really enforced across the board either. Depends what the purpose of the app is. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I don't think it would be the end of the world if they forced them to open up into um, uh, or allow multiple app stores. But I think that they, I personally think they should say it's an either or. You know, either you allow them to process other places or you allow other stores. One, you know, and you can pick which one you want as a company, but you can't have it both ways, right? You can't say, no, you can't go anywhere else and no, you can't process your fees anywhere else. I frankly don't think that's the dividing line that the other companies are interested in. It's not just the payment processing. They, there's a lot more to it than that that they want. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. But that's what that's that's the 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 sword they're they're standing on that they're gonna you know that, that, that that's what that, that's what they complaining about is that they're that Apple's making us pay these fifteen percent to process our our uh, our our payments and we can save money by processing our payments somewhere else and in fact yeah. they that's why they got kicked out of the store the um the um the one company i'm blanking on their name now but uh you know the game company they got kicked out of the store because they you know instead of charging 9.99 they were charging 7.99 if you went to their website to pay for it and uh and apple said yeah you can't do that <laughs> that's in violation of the agreement that you signed and and their spot their response was well we only signed that agreement because you didn't give us any options it was you had us over a barrel and apple's response was no you can sell any any way you want into an android phone you don't have to buy through us you know so i, I don't know it's all it's going to work its way through the courts um but i think that you know uh, i i'm not sure i trust that the government is going to make anything better for us here oh i don't think so in fact i think they could screw it up badly yeah you know then 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 what do they do they're yeah. not going to respond you know <laughs> they have you know their their attitude is is that business like apple especially have all this money that they can do they have plenty of freedom and to do what they want because they got the money to do it yeah. So they don't need our help. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because, like you said, if you re- if you read through some of the um, uh, the the comments underneath, there's a whole bunch of, you know, unless Apple turns about and says we made a mistake, we won't be worth it. It won't 
we won't be installing scanning a scanning back door and never will then apple's dead to me <laughs> You know, I mean, you, you hear comments like that, and, and another guy's basically f Apple. I just don't care anymore. You know, yeah. it's like okay, um, yeah. you know, they're not and they're not pulling any punches. Yep, and it goes on and on, and and it's not just that one site. But I, I posted that, yeah. or when I posted it, I did it mostly for the comments, not for the right for the, the article. You know, yeah. Well, I mean, the article, yeah, we'll, we'll see what actually becomes of it and whether or not it actually sees the light of day. Unfortunately, and this, or maybe fortunately in this case, um, you know, very few pieces of legislation make it through to becoming laws without lobbyists from the people who are being legislated having, you know, put their hands on it and gotten in people's ears and made donations to campaigns and whatever else it takes to get things worded differently. All right. And so large corporations like Apple and Google and, you know, Exxon and Boeing and I mean, all these big companies, they've got, you know, millions of dollars spent on lobbying and and those lobbyists sole, you know, reason for existing is to make sure that when a congressman or congresswoman uh, choose to uh, try to make a law that we word the law such that the congressperson can stand up and say, I passed the law does X, Y, Z, and the actual wording doesn't hurt the company. Right. And so they'll help them craft it. And so we'll see what actually comes out. I'm going to, you know. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? They helped them craft it. The law was written by companies. Oh, in many cases, you're right. The law is written literally by the, by the, um, uh, the lobbyists. And they hand it to them and say, "Here, here's something yeah. that'll work for you. You can. It, it's called the you know Prote- Consumer Protection uh, Act. However, if you actually read it, right. who it's protecting <laughs> is the company I represent. <laughs> and yep. and but but you can stand up and say you did this great thing, and we can stay and, and we can go about our business the way we want to. And yeah. and that happens all the time. So we'll see what actually actually becomes of this." Um, I know there's a matching house or there's a matching house and Senate bill, both of which are, you know, still in committee. So they're not even drafted yet, which, you know, it's it's ridiculous to start reacting to something that is at that stage because that's a a might happen maybe eventually someday. Yep. Yep. Anyway, uh, why don't we go on to this uh, smart home standard? What what's a. (laughs) <laughs> Big deal about the yeah. standard. That's does it matter? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So matter, which I think was a terrible name. I thought the previous name was much better. Before it was called <laughs> Chip, uh, which uh, was the uh, connected home over IP or Chip, is now called oh. Matter. And I, I'm not sure why they switched the names. Somebody thought Matter sounded better than Chip, I guess. But. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe it's just somebody who was anti-acronym. So instead of calling it CHIP, which is an acronym, they're going to call it, you know. Uh, I, I, I think that the main reason for it is that they've all realized that uh, a lot of people are confused by having multiple companies involved that aren't, that, that aren't, aren't uh, compatible. And so uh, they're, they're, the home market yeah. hasn't grown very well, yeah. at least what they anticipated, because of that. Well, that has nothing to do with the name change, but but yeah, the whole purpose behind this this movement, this working group, whether it be called Chip or Matter, 
was that we need to create a home uh, automation standard. And in fact, before any of these big companies got involved, there was already home automation standards out there. And there was like three different uh, radio technologies that were being used. And none of them had any uh, encryption or anything built into them. And so it was, um, you know, it was just kind of a wild west in terms of putting together a an automated house and as uh amazon google and apple started creating uh more smart smart home infrastructure things like HomeKit and uh i don't i don't remember what they what the names are given by uh app or amazon and google of their smart homes but home kit is the i think it's just called amazon home and google home um <clears throat> but you know they each supported slightly different uh, radio frequencies and methodologies of connecting. And Apple was the only one of the three who said, let's encrypt things end to end across these networks. Um, but they all had problems with connectivity because they were using versions of, well, not actually even then. I was going to say they were using versions of Bluetooth and I, I, uh, IP, uh, uh, Ethernet or uh, Wi-Fi. But, uh, but some of them were using some other radio frequencies as well, Zigbee and and um, and um, I'm trying to think of the names of the other ones. So anyway, Zigbee is the one they've all sort of standardized on, and then part of of this whole process is the introduction of Thread, which was the uh, self-creating, self-healing mesh networks. So each of your devices talks to each other. So if uh, you'll have to have a hub somewhere that attaches it into the internet. Um, but that you get a much more robust connectivity amongst devices. So if you have something sitting sort of on the edge of your network, if there are a few other devices within the vicinity of it, it can connect to them instead of having to connect all the way back to the hub, which is a much better underlying design. Um, right. you know, and the thread thing's already available. Uh, when the matter devices start shipping, which they said now is going to be 2022, um, what that means is that that uh, the you won't have to go look for the works with Google or works with Amazon or works with HomeKit um, labels anymore. It'll just have the Matter label, and if you have a Matter label, it'll work with all of them. And and that will make I I think that that's going to pretty quickly once they start shipping become the standard for home home uh, automation, which makes a lot of sense. Oh yeah. Um, now, if you're um, if you're you know if you're a home hub, if you're a if you use uh, you know Apple or, or, or if you whichever one you use, you know if you've already got some stuff there, you'll be able to start adding matter things to it without messing up the stuff that already works. So you you know it's it's something you can phase in if you've already got it built. And if you don't have it built, like if I were telling people to buy home um, automation things today, I would say make sure that you buy something that is thread compatible. Uh, because that radio works much better, um, you know, and that's part of that that um, matter standard, and it's available. You can go buy those right now. You can go buy thread compatible light bulbs and and uh, you know temperature yeah. sensors and door sensors and things like that. You've read the matter standard. I read through it a while ago um, when it was still called chip. <laughs> and and uh oh, and you didn't read the matter standard you read the chip standard <laughs> right yeah before they renamed it so i read through that and uh and it's based on zigbee which is actually the underlying technology that apple had been using 
um, to to uh, for connectivity for HomeKit, and uh, and so you know I think that it's uh, you know it's it's clearly the right thing to do so that you don't have to you know say hey this smart switch that I bought ooh is it going to work with my thing although quite honestly it's not that hard you just had to go and look and say you know did it when you go to buy it say they all tell you hey this works with HomeKit or this works with Google well, Home or this works with well, Amazon Home let, let, let me talk, talk to you about why I put this in here mm-hmm. my, my thought was a little different I currently have a home security system that includes Zigbee right <laughs> Yeah, and, and they're part of the alliance. Yeah. So now, if I get this thing, and Apple will now talk to these Zigbee things, uh, what happens when uh, when they are talk trying to talk to a device that's already connected to another network that, that they don't even you know there's another sort of master controller, if you will. I don't know mm-hmm. what what's going to happen to my. Uh, you know, Apple, they don't care if it messes up my home security system, you know? I don't understand what you're asking. Well, I'm just saying that pre-existing stuff right. that, uh, that you can com- now communicate with, like my thermostat, for example. Right. Uh, if I can go in and uh, 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 talk to that, does that mean that... Uh, uh, what what if I change it from my home security app instead? Will the Apple thing recognize that it's been changed? I, I guess if it talks to it, it'll say, oh, somehow it got changed. Okay. But, so assuming that your, um, that your existing Zigbee-based home automation system um, is compliant with whatever ends up being the matter standard right or if there's an update to it a software update that gets pushed out to it or something the way it works because i have this right now i have a a smart uh, thermostat and it is HomeKit compatible mine's an ecobee and i can use the ecobee app to go in and change the settings on the thermostat or i can use HomeKit. okay if i go into ecobee and i change the the lowest temperature say i want it to be 72 degrees in the house i can set it to 72 then i can go into HomeKit and i can see it and the settings will have been reflected there it'll go read it from them when i when i go and launch the HomeKit app and it'll tell me what the settings are on the thermostat at that moment in time i can then from the HomeKit app change it to 76 and then go back over to the the ecobee app and i'll see that it's now set at 76 what i have found is that HomeKit gives you rudimentary control over the thermostat. I can change it from cool to heat to auto or just off. um, And I can set the range of the temperatures. I can set the high and the low temperature if it's on auto, or I can set the the heat temperature or the cool temperature on those two modes. Um, From the actual app for Ecobee, I can not only do all of that stuff, but I can set schedules. I can tell it to... uh, use its sensors because the Ecobee actually has uh, remote sensors that I've placed around the house. And the sensors are set up such that it will measure the temperature of rooms that I'm in. And so if I'm in a room, it will uh, use that temperature. And if if there's a room in the house that I'm not in, it'll ignore that temperature. So, you know, in the evenings, it knows to only look at the thermostat temperature in the bedroom. But during the day, it ignores the bedroom and uses the temperature in the rest of the house 
to set the temperatures. And it and, and I've set it up so that, you know, a couple hours before I go to bed, now start paying attention to the bedroom and get it comfortable in there so that when we when it's time to go to bed, we can that the room is is a reasonable temperature. And living in so a desert it, in so a what? living in a desert, I you know, it's it's mostly cooling for me. But uh yeah. uh but but what you're saying I guess is that you get a uh, a capability to uh to use these devices but not to their fullest extent. Right. I get a subset of their complete capability in HomeKit. So there are times when I might want to go into the actual app on uh, uh for my device because I have some more controls over it. Same thing with some of the smart cameras. Like, um, uh, but Apple is quickly adding some of that standard stuff. Like I have some cameras that you can do like a, uh, you can pan around with the camera and from the Apple, from the Apple, uh, home kit, I can see the camera and I can zoom in on the camera. Uh, but I can't make it pan right and left. It doesn't have control over the camera. I have to go to the actual camera app to be able to move the camera around. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's, and, and I understand that's something Apple's building into it. By the way, Zigbee is an IEEE standard. It's a spec that was set together, uh, and, and it's been standardized already. Um, and it's, uh, it was intended to be simpler and less expensive than other wireless per- personal area networks like Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. And it was a mesh network line of sight up to 100 meters already. And that's already part of the Zigbee spec. And it already has 128-bit symmetric encryption built into it. So that's part of the reason that Apple started using Zigbee as a standard for their HomeKit devices early on. And now the rest of the world has kind of said, okay, let's, let's standardize on that. And that's why Zigbee is core to the, um, to the Matter standard. So... Um, Okay, so when, well that's that's good. Yeah, because Z another one is Z Wave that's out there. By the way, Zigbee um, also in most places it uses the two point four gigahertz um, uh, uh, radio frequency, which is the same as uh, the slower end of Wi Fi. Um, but that's not true everywhere because in some places um, it it uses um, different frequencies depending on what the country's. Um, requirements are like zigbee in china is 784 megahertz in europe it's 868 megahertz so and apparently in the u.s it also uses 915 megahertz megahertz uh but uh they said that for most commercial zigbee devices still use the 2.4 gigahertz so so anyway i mean i'm just reading the, the looking at the wikipedia page so there's a lot of stuff going on here uh and a Zigbee radio is like about 15 millimeters square. So they're pretty small. Yep. So anyhow, um, you know, as far as um, uh, the, the home um, automation stuff goes, I was disappointed to hear them say that, that matter was going to be put off. But I think a lot of that has to do with just the shortage of chips and stuff right now. And, you know, we can thank COVID for, for that being uh kind of put on a back burner as everybody's going towards towards that but like i said because part of that standard is also switching to using thread radios where it makes sense i would strongly recommend anybody um look at finding um uh or looking for the thread uh trademark when you're buying a uh smart home device uh eve smart home has uh smart outlets 
uh, smart door sensors, a, a temperature sensor, and even a, a, uh, a, a remote-controlled spigot that you can screw onto your like um, water spigot and then run a hose and a sprinkler and, and create a timer for it that are all on the thread standard already. And so, um, you know, if you, and, and there's, um, you know, some light bulbs and some light strips and stuff that are already on the thread standard. You don't have to have a special, um, hub or anything like that. Like a lot of people like the Philips hue lights, but you have to have a hue hub, which costs, you know, like a hundred bucks just to get it started. Whereas now you can buy $20 bulbs that don't need a hue hub that are using the thread standard that are already, uh, you know, tied in smart and I think that that's the the better way to go yep so that's my two cents on it is if you if you're buying that stuff get get stuff that works with thread but uh yeah you you want to jump on the bandwagon uh uh, after it's uh settled out a little bit on all new technology stuff because it's always a wild west for a while yeah it's just the nature of development yeah. And uh, so anyway, yeah. uh, well when it comes to the, the the bulbs too, like right now you can get a $20 bulb with the thread stu- thread radio in it. And so that's less expensive. Um I do know like the Eve switches, there are switches you can buy on Amazon for $19 smart ones, but they they're not, you know, they work with Amazon. They don't work with HomeKit. They may or may not work with Google. Uh they're not uh you know, there's no encryption on their radio connection. They're not thread compatible, so they they don't work within a mesh network. So if they're you know at the far end of your house, they may or may not work very well. They'll be flaky. So you know, I mean, you can save money, but it's probably smarter to think about how you want to roll that out. And and uh, definitely, you know, the the evolution of something like thread as a radio standard and connectivity standard for these things is is a step in the right direction. And since thread is part of uh, the uh, the matter standard, uh, you know, you're you're hedging your bets against the future here, as matter yeah. comes into into reality yeah. in the next year. Speaking of of a network, which is uh, another word is infrastructure. Uh, mm-hmm. I I posted uh, or I sent to you uh, the infrastructure bill that is includes securing America's water systems and power grids. Now I'm going to take you back to uh, what... Yeah, not very far uh, back. <laughs> what, no, not... Well, uh, back when the Internet started, when it first got started, I just happened to have been in the Department of Defense. And I happened to have a meeting at the Pentagon for uh, a related topic. And... Uh, there was, we got into a discussion about, hey, how this Internet is going to affect Department of Defense systems. And since then, I wasn't a part of this, but uh, for certain uh, systems, the government, the Department of Defense said to, all, to contractors, you will not in any way connect this system. Mm-hmm. In fact, there's re- Air Force regulations, at least, to an Internet. Internet is verboten. Keep it out of here. Yeah, because it's there should be an air gap between your device and the rest of the world because it's important stuff. That's right. And at the time, uh, at one of those meetings, I says, you know, who's going to tell uh, the rest of the uh, world uh, business systems why they mm-hmm. shouldn't be on the Internet? Because it's, it's obviously an, an inexpensive 
connection option as right. opposed to point to point to point, which is the way things used to go. And right. that really expensive uh, system. Oh, yeah. I, I connected remote sites for newspapers, and it was not cheap. You're right. Was, those, those direct connections through your uh, communications companies were hugely expensive. Yeah, so when the Internet really started to take off, it was largely because of big companies that ran water systems and power grids and all this and says, wow, look at all the money we can save. Well, mm-hmm. what they didn't consider was that this has a significance to our security and that we'd like to know for sure that these things will work under all circumstances, especially uh, in bad times when we really need them. They're critical. Yeah. People need water, people need power, and so forth. And so now, uh, finally, uh, at least there's going to be some money out there to uh, retroactively go undo uh, the damage that's been done and mm-hmm. uh, that's been under well, attack you, because of... You live on the East Coast, so it wasn't that long ago, this is where I thought you were originally going, where you had no, uh, almost no gasoline because they shut off the pipeline because their system had been attacked. Well, if you look at that picture from there, they referred to it, I think, in the article as Charlotte. In fact, it's my hometown, Huntersville. <laughs> yeah. That's a popular picture that's been in the newspaper a lot. And, yeah. Uh, Fortunately for me, on the other side of town, so I, I wasn't close to it. Right. But uh, it did gas spill, gas leak from a big pipeline uh, has been. They've been digging up dirt and hauling it somewhere else for a long time, and I guess they got a big hole over there now. But they still haven't got it all. They, right. At the initial, initial estimates, didn't even come close to covering the cost of clean the cleanup. So uh, anyway, it's just one of many issues that's uh-huh really, what cleanup really i was talking out. about the cyber attack where they shut it down and opened up but you guys actually had a spill there oh yeah the spill came first oh the spill okay came first and and then once people understood that the the danger of that and the cost then it become threatened yeah you know people got in and uh and actually shut it off but right we, it was shut shut off and bypassed here before that we, yeah what what I was talking about was the whole history of this thing in our our local town. right yeah because that was not I mean the the fact that it they had a break in the pipe and a leak that's separate from the fact that they basically shut the entire pipeline down on the entire east coast because they had right. a their system their control systems got hacked and of all the things to be you know attached to the internet control systems it's like yeah. okay you know it's <laughs> it's yeah, like the- you know. But the, but the company is Colonial Pipeline. You probably right. recall that, and uh, that's the same company that that runs through our town. So, or that pipes run through our town, I should say. Yeah. But anyway, uh, what uh, uh, is has should never have happened in the first place is is throughout yeah. our country, and now it needs to be solved by secure, reliable communications and control systems. Yeah. Well, to be honest, you know, and, and it's it's I mean, not to point fingers, but I think there are some some IT, you know, vice presidents and, and, and IT managers and some, you know, higher up people who did the, some of the the planning and designing of these systems who, who you know, did a, a cost risk analysis and blew it. You know? Well, the CEO made the decision, though. Somebody recommended it. You know, look at the money we save here. Look at this 
Yeah, but I'm saying that the IT guy is that when you make that presentation to the CEO or to whomever, and to be honest, I don't think it even went to the CEO. I mean, I, you, you, you didn't really work in the IT field in in private businesses very much. I did. I worked in that field, um, uh, you know, helping make decisions for a company about how they're going to use technology, and the IT person, whoever that person is, the the front person, can make the risk sound significantly more or less based on how enthusiastic they are about doing something. And if, you know, if I was convinced that this was the right way to do something, then it wasn't hard for me to go to, you know, the rest of the company and say, this is the right way to go. Cause they don't know. They didn't know anything about how technology worked. They didn't care. They just wanted to be able to do X, Y, Z. And if I said you could do X, Y, Z this way, and it will cost you this much, and you can do X, Y, Z that way, and you can cost, cost you, you know, half of that. Um, then they're certainly going to go for the the half of that. But if I came in and said, you can do X, Y, Z this way uh, and be completely safe and secure. If you do it this way, um, there's a risk that somebody could hack into our system and destroy our business. You know, and so it's it's just how you pitch it, to be sure. honest. It really goes back to the IT person. I don't blame the, the CEO. I mean, ultimately, yeah, the CEO is the one who, who the buck stops there, but they don't know. They're just going on what their experts tell them. And so it's those experts that had, you know, made decisions about saying, hey, let's just, you know, heck, we can put this on the Internet and we'll be fine. Oops. Yep. Oops. Yeah. You know, so, and it's like it's not like you can't use the Internet as a cheap way to connect things for lots of stuff. But just be careful what that stuff is. Right. You know, it's, yeah. it shouldn't be something <laughs> that if it was compromised, will shut your business down completely like the control systems for the pipeline for a company whose job is running a pipeline. <clears throat> yep. So um, anyway, uh, that's a a long story that uh, had a had a really bad outcome, and now yeah. it's got to go be repaired. Cost us all of us taxpayers money for business mistakes. Yeah. That that, that you know could have been uh, directed because government had control back then too if they had just understood what needed yeah you know well you know it's funny because i think about similar situations like i said i used to work for newspaper companies and um the air handling system for a building in a newspaper is tied into the printing press because they manage the the flow of of uh the bits of uh, paper and paper mites and and that stuff's explosive and so you can't have you know when you've got giant rolls of paper that you're unrolling to print on for newspapers and you're printing thousands of these things a night you need to have an air handling system that handles that and the air handling system also creates air pressure which is used to move hydraulics within the presses and so the air handling system is part of the printing system so when you're uh, maintenance person comes to you and says, "Hey, they're putting in new control. We, we, we want to put in new controls for the air handling system. So if there's a problem, I get notified on my pager, or I get, you know, on my phone, I get a notification, or I can call in and and check to make sure that the pressures are correct and and get some readings off of my air handling system. You know, the question you've got to have is, well, how are you getting that information? Is that coming out across the internet? Because if it is," Now somebody can, that means somebody can hack into it and essentially shut down your newspaper because you've taken the controls for your actual printing process and put them out onto the internet for people to see. Yeah. 
whether you, you know, and you say, oh, but it's all encrypted and it's safe. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, and and yeah. and I remember having a conversation to that effect and being overruled and just being told it's not a problem. And maybe it hasn't been. Maybe it still hasn't been. I don't know. But I would be yeah. very concerned about that. <laughs> you know, yeah. of course, nowadays, newspapers are such a an afterthought as a business. They're not nearly as important to a, you know, to society and to uh, to the population as they once were that it might be a don't care, you know, it's like yep. a, 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 um, a, uh, evil doer might say, why would I spend the time hacking into shut down newspaper? Most people wouldn't even know, notice that it was shut down. <laughs> right. <laughs> wouldn't even miss them. <laughs> exactly. Cause the three people in town who still read the newspaper wouldn't get their newspaper the next morning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is sad oh. to say, really yeah, sad to say, you know, then this this can lead into the, uh, the next article that I published, which is hydrogen-powered vehicles. Is that a realistic path to clean energy? Well, we're at the right at the edge of new technology that presumably uh, uh, solves the climate change issue. You know, although it doesn't, but uh, there's claims that it does. Yeah, well, I mean, until we until we get uh, you know the rest of the world, India and China, to sign on, quite honestly, it's we're, we're just a drop in the bucket. Well, <laughs> what's interesting is everybody's you know hearing about electric cars, but they're you know that's just because they're more interested in cars. But the fact mm-hmm. is, hydrogen is already uh, making a big dent in a lot of things, especially large vehicles like trucks and buses. Yeah, and that's because and that's because nobody has time to sit around at a charging station with those things. Right. Also, they can't afford to have them not work in cold climates for northern parts of the country mm-hmm. uh, because they don't work. They yeah. just flat quit. You know. Yeah. And so there's a lot of reasons why electric is never going to work nationwide. Well. You say they don't work. I mean, as far as I know, Tesla is selling into all parts of the country, and I haven't read anything about them having problems with them not working, say, in you know Maine or North Dakota or anything like that. Um, so I think that that issue has been somewhat solved uh, in that they, you know, they're they're managing to still work in some way, but um, but yeah, there's still other issues with it. You know, the company that has been big into this has been Toyota. Toyota has had very limited, uh, and in fact, they still don't talk about uh, battery electric cars very much compared to, you know, Volkswagen and and uh, GM and Ford. They're all talking about battery cars, and I know GM is doing some hydrogen stuff too. But Toyota uh, actually sells in Southern California a hydrogen car. Um, they only sell it in Southern California because that's the only place where they have enough of a an inch. They they they've got an infrastructure for 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 charging it. Um, and so that's the only place they sell it. Um, but they have a, a hydrogen, hydrogen fuel cell car charge. Well, I mean to, to fill it up. Okay. Yeah. The, the, it's, it's a hydrogen fuel cell car. So it's an electric car, but it gets its electricity from a, uh, from hydrogen as opposed to a battery. It's a hydrogen fuel cell. Hydrogen electric then. Yeah, so so the actual drive line is electric. 
So it doesn't, um, you know, it's not using combustion to power cylinders that turn wheels. It's using a, a hydrogen fuel cell to create electricity, which then powers electric motors to make the car go. By the way, I believe that's what they're using in these buses and transport. Trans, I, I uh, think that's the way they seem to be going to. It seems like the people who've done the math and, and sat down and looked at it said we get more power this way than we do you know, burning it to well, move pistons. It, Plus, like it's a simpler. Old, these are electric trains, you know. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's it's um, you know makes for a simpler system, right? You, you don't have as many moving parts and pieces inside, so um, long term right. repair and and especially when you're talking about buses and trucks that are things that have to run for, you know, mill- I mean, when you build a bus or or a long haul truck, the idea is that that thing's going to cover millions of miles in in its lifetime, not you know, hundreds of thousands, like an average car. Yeah. But anyway, uh, the at the end of this article, they do talk about the fact that uh, today, uh, hydrogen-powered vehicles are actually creating CO2, and they're making the uh, climate change uh, worse. Okay? And, and that's because of price, the price of diesel. Now, that's what... Uh, uh, the current administration is trying to do, do something about that. What, well, I'm sorry, wait a minute, what? You said hydrogen cars are creating CO2? Uh, the, the, the system, not just the cars, the whole system, because of the cost of creating hydrogen is not cheap compared ah. to drilling for, uh, for uh, uh, oil? Oil, Diesel, yeah. Right. So, the fact is, is that compared to diesel, which is largely what they're replacing in trucks, that's what this article is mostly about, even though the picture is a car, of a car, uh, they're, uh, uh, it costs more to run the hydrogen-powered trucks than it does right. to run the diesel trucks. Yeah, they're saying a kilogram and, of hydrogen equals about the same amount of energy as a gallon of diesel fuel, and that a kilogram costs 13 bucks, and diesel's going for 325 on average well, in the U.S.? <laughs> not in California. That's not a fair. That's not a fair comparison. They're saying thirteen dollars a kilogram for for hydrogen in California, but then they use the U.S. average for for diesel. You've bought gasoline in the United States, and you know California <laughs> charges a heck of a lot more than the average. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're right, but they're you're also mixing liters and gallons too there in that. So they, the liter was for the uh, for the hydrogen. A kilogram, uh, but they said is, that a, ki- a kilogram can a kilogram of hydrogen delivers slightly more energy than a gallon of diesel fuel. So they're yeah. saying they're they're saying that the, the, it's a fairly close comparison, slightly more. Now they don't tell you what yeah. slightly more is. Is that five percent, twelve percent? What is it? Um, but thirteen dollars a kilogram. So that's equivalent to basically thirteen dollars a gallon if you're looking at diesel fuel. And in the U.S. or in the in the in California right now, diesel fuel is going for about four dollars and thirty five cents a gallon. Not yeah. three twenty-five. Okay, so it's about three times as much. Yeah, but for hydrogen, it, it yeah, it it's still more. And, right. And the oh whole yeah. Cost the real the real issue is how to how to get hydrogen out of the water because because it's ultimately the car or the powered vehicle is turning hydrogen back into water. That's how it works. Right. <clears throat> and extracting the hydrogen energy. So the whole business there has to do with the business of, of generating hydrogen and its anticipation of getting 
hydrogen production costs down. Mm -hmm. that, that's what this is all dependent on. Absolutely. And they but, you know, just like the battery electrics, they're dependent on cost of batteries coming down and the ability to charge them speeding up. Right. You know, so it's yeah. just competing Char technologies. Fast, you mean. The yeah. speed of charge. Right. Because yeah, that's why I said the charging speeding up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> anyway. You know what I'm surprised is, and I think we talked about this before, I have a screwdriver that is that charges in 90 seconds. It's it's a capacitive device. Right. Why don't they have that in cars? And they can use that in conjunction with a battery, right? So that you can charge up quickly and say the first 20% of your power is a big capacitor, and then the rest of it is a battery. So you can charge the capacitor quickly, and then and then and, and so if you need it quickly, you can charge up and be able to drive you know fifty miles right now, um, as opposed to well, you know well, well, all battery. Closer to, when you talk about a capacitor, it probably is closer to a mile than fifty miles. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. We don't. Yeah, exactly. How quickly does it then then deplete? But I will say that with with my with my screwdriver, I charge it in ninety seconds, and it's good for probably five minutes of driving screws before it kind of goes, and then you have to charge it again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I've thought about that as well, and the only thing I can think of is how do you how do you quickly go from uh, a depleted uh, charge on a capacitor to the next capacitor? Let's you know. Well, pretty soon you're going to end up with a whole bunch of capacitors, which is going to be a quite a large device. Now, see, I'm thinking of using a capacitor as a buffer in between the battery and the charger. So when you go to charge it, it charges the capacitor first and gets you to a certain level real quick. Okay, And if that's enough for you, then you, you're good to go. If not, then you let it charge a little longer and it charges the battery behind that. And then you just have something that, you, that switches between the two as the first one runs out. Well, I, I think what you're talking about is is uh, total energy storage, and you have to compare the capacitor to a battery, and they're not hardly even comparable. I mean, they're so minute compared to a battery that it's ridiculous. Yeah. And because it seems like it's reasonable for a, a hand tool, you know, there's nothing critical there. And yeah. even if it doesn't last five minutes, it, it may help you get your job done. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, and let's but face it, for working around the house and stuff, you know, you spend 90 seconds charging it up, and then how often are you, you know, driving screws with it? You know, whereas if, if you look at construction people working with drill drivers and screwdrivers that they use commercially, none of those are running off capacitors. They run off batteries because right. they work with it all day long, and they don't want to right. every, every, you know, 10 minutes sit for 90 seconds waiting for their device to charge back up. And, and how many screwdrivers would you need, need to get you through the day? Right. Yeah. <laughs> if there was somebody, if there was somebody there, you know, moving around recharging them for you. Yeah, exactly. You may not or, a lot of screwdrivers, but you well, I mean, if it charges in ninety seconds and <laughs> takes you more than ninety seconds to deplete it, then all you need is two, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so basically, uh, if you had a charging system with you, well, you might be able to do some of that. You know, like for example, a car while it's going downhill, you could be charging your your capacitor backup, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, and they already do that kind of. You know, they 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 capture that energy as they're as you're hitting applying your brakes. And my guess is there, you know, it's it's not going directly into a battery. There probably is some capacitor 
it, it, between the battery and that device that captures that initially, right? So yeah. that you can then reuse that. So my guess is it's probably already being used to some extent. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, we, we sit here and go like, how come they don't do this? Well, you know, there's lots of smart people who are looking at these problems and they probably have already looked at that, um, you know, yeah. but. Uh, well, it, it really comes down to the, the way you, you hold the charge. Uh, it takes a lot of space, you know, that battery or that capacitor that's in your, uh, in your thing is about as big as a regular D cell. Is that what they call them? The big. Uh huh. Yeah, I think it's a D cell. Uh, and of course, how long would a D cell run the battery? You know, I guess that's yeah. a question. I, I've never looked into that, but it, it's a different way of storing and how does it compare? Right. Yeah, that's given what I'm saying. Is size, that given the same volume constraint, you know? A, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like they, they both store energy differently and they have different. Um, um, features and functions right and so and, and to think that that the people who are designing electric vehicles haven't looked at that is probably naive on our part <laughs> oh yeah yeah so so anyway uh have we I'm yeah, well, we kind of went through the list of stuff. Uh, the one thing that you you put on, which is sort of a more of a political commentary, but it does tie into tech in that it's Twitter and the fact that, you know, that uh, former President Trump is still barred from Twitter. But apparently the Taliban spokesperson is allowed to tweet. So as they take over Afghanistan and and begin the the uh, the somewhat yeah, ruthless yeah. rule that they've had in the past uh, and reinstate their Sharia laws they're still tweeting about their what's going on in their country. Well, let me say this about that. Uh, there are so much communications that all of these kinds of outfits like the Taliban depend on that they ought, they need to be identified and controlled by the Department of Defense. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The Department of Defense needs to step in, and anything that has something that helps your enemy you have the right to shut them down instantly. And yeah. This 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 war is just a, st- a starting example of why that matters. Because I didn't look at any of the Taliban messages or know what they said, but I can guarantee you that could have helped them a hell of a lot. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. if you know it's like, hey, we don't have a, a an expensive um, uh, communication system that that was built by like the United States government. You know, United States military has, you know, protected, encrypted, uh, on-field communications. You know what the Taliban has? Twitter. <laughs> they they yeah. go online yeah. and say, okay, when you see this on, on this Twitter account, you, you monitor this account, you follow it. And then when this guy posts this, all over the country, we can all move simultaneously because we're all communicating via Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And you're right. You know, if, if that platform is being used as a means of field communication for combatants then we absolutely need to step in and say we're not going to allow that now the place for the point of contact for control i would suggest is not the app itself but is within both uh uh, android and apple smartphones that's the vehicle by which they're that that enables the use of 
Not yeah, just the problem is, is we don't control while, while Apple is in this country and we can uh, assert a certain amount of control over companies that are here. A lot of the Android companies are not here at all. They're based well, in other countries. And so we have no control but, over them whatsoever. And, and you can't even control the operating system, even though Google's here, because it's open source. And so once they've downloaded the operating system, they go and customize it to their heart's content. You know, the yeah. version of Android that runs on a, in a on a Samsung phone is not the same as the one that runs on other phones because Samsung downloaded the open source operating system, customized it the way they wanted, and put it on their phones. So nothing yeah. on that phone is under the control of the United States. Yeah, that's, that's something that hadn't occurred to me with Android. Yeah. Uh, with Apple, that's doable. It is. You know? Yeah. That's doable. I think Apple would fight about creating you know, means of, of censoring, even though they, they would say, cause, and they would fight about it saying, because there's the opportunity for you then to censor when, when it's not a valid reason, they wouldn't argue with the reason. They would just say that it, it opens a can of worms. And it also, you know, if we create a way for that to happen so that our government can go do something good, then you know that there's going to be people who, who from other governments and from, and individuals who, who are, have ill intent that will figure out a way to get in through that same back door. Well, you know, that's right. That's right. But I'm just saying when it comes to, uh, depart department of defense things and what's mm -hmm. going on in the world, uh, I damn sure. Uh, yeah. Think well, that the department of defense should have a strong interest in, and, in, and in some, uh, need, uh, in situations like this, where it could have had a significant effect. Oh, absolutely. My sense was that, quite frankly, what we should have done, and maybe we were doing this, is that while we had people on the ground in the country and we were basically managing things, is you just shut down the networks. Phone doesn't do you yeah. any good if it can't attach to something, you know? Yep. yep. And so you shut down the networks. You shut down that infrastructure. But, you but know, the world exists works. just fine without having phones. Yeah, somebody might might try to equate it to water or uh, power or other things like that, but it's not that critical. It's not. You know, the world existed just fine before phones, and they'll exist just fine after phones. And, you know, and if you have to go back to using landlines where there's a phone actually drawn, or, you know what, you can you could leave the infrastructure up and just go through and encrypt everything. I'm guessing that most of the people in the Taliban who are living out in the in the the wilderness of Afghanistan don't have the skill set uh, to to go and uh, you know hack into that. So so just encrypt all the you know you you have to have a a, a series of uh, a special chip in your phone or or something to be able to attach to the to the infrastructure to the phone system, you know, and then you oh. give. Then you give, you know, the a, a town leader who is trusted in each town a phone so he can call for emergency services if necessary. Yeah, you know, well, I mean, there's lots of ways to. I mean, yeah. we're we're you know we're there's I lots of issues that. around both of those you know uh, around those different ideas, but um, but I think that you know you given time you could work your way through most of that. But you're absolutely yep. right. The idea that a completely free and unrestricted internet and access to to things like Twitter uh, for for essentially very um, low-tech enemy combatants gives them a way to organize across wide areas and and coordinate attacks that they wouldn't otherwise have yeah which which brings me to the point that 
where the hell are the people in our government when they're supposed to when they plan operations like this that they don't think of things like that ahead of time you know yeah they they, they know that the Taliban uses the, the stuff and has been using it and in fact what they what they they probably uh, are listening to it all the time anyway instead of listening to it they didn't even occur to them they could shut it off under certain circumstances or should have yeah well and we say yeah. that we don't know that they probably do yeah. I, I suspect that there was there was um, uh, not only listening as you talked about but also uh, tactical interruption of communications at times um, yeah you know I, I suspect that that was being done but none of that can be done if they all pack up and leave which we did you know and yeah. You know, and I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. I mean, we've had, you know, uh, two Republicans and two Democrats prior to our current president who all said, oh, yeah, we're going to leave. And none of them did. You know, they they hemmed and hawed and talked about it. You know, it's it's a difficult thing to do, because as as many experts have said, what is happening in a matter of weeks was going to happen, whether it happened in weeks or months. When we pulled out, they were going to march back in. It was pretty obvious. The experts knew this. Well, I don't think anybody knew how quickly it was going to happen. Well, first of all, we've known forever, forever, that you do not announce any type of military maneuver. Yeah. And particularly put a date on it, for Christ's sake. Yeah. We're leaving next Thursday. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's like, okay, well, let's let's uh, let's get all ready so that on Friday we can march in and take over. (laughs) You know, and in fact, these people that you know uh, are going to suffer from this poor decision should have been smuggled out of there before time yeah you know yeah that's the stupidity of it is that anybody who is perceived to having helped the americans in any way their life is forfeit at this point and that's that's a crime that is just awful that's what bothers the heck out of me yeah Uh, it's just uh makes no sense I mean, how are you ever going to get anybody to be friendly with you and arrest the, uh, you know, forever, uh, or for at least as long as memory of that is is out there? Yeah. You, you've 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 said you guys aren't trustworthy. Absolutely. You killed you killed Absolutely. Your well, and and you know there there are people trying to say, oh, this is not a parallel to what happened in Vietnam, and I wholeheartedly disagree. It's exactly what happened in Vietnam. And we're yeah. still we're still basically dealing with the the fallout from that worldwide in that countries don't trust us. Yeah, you know, it's like so, U.S. will say what they say and they'll do what they do until it's no longer of an interest to them, and then you're on your own. Yeah, it's it's an embarrassment that we have leaders that do that. Yeah, you know, and it's like, well, maybe we shouldn't have waited twenty years, and it wouldn't have been such. You know, maybe we should have gotten out of there quicker and just let them let the world settle out we, we aren't necessarily the the keeper of the world you know and if that's your attitude fine then we shouldn't have been there 20 years but the flip side of it is is if we have decided that the things that are happening there the atrocities that happen there are severe enough that we should be there then you know we've got to say we're going to be there just like we still have since world war ii bases in germany you know bases yeah. in japan you know, and that's yeah, not there. That's not there to keep the Germans in line, but it, it's certainly there to, to you know, protect American interests. Yeah. Obviously, we didn't give a rat's about the interests of these people. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, we spent 20 years there. We we cared somewhat, just apparently not enough, you know. Yeah. But I, I just feel really bad for the, um, uh, you know, the people who had worked for, like, you know, as an interpreter for any of the American news agencies. So they're not necessarily tied to the government, but they were helping an American. That person yep. is, you know, SOL, um, you know, and that person's family. You know, and as a father of daughters, I can't imagine there must be young girls all over that country going, well, my life isn't going to go the way I thought. And imagine this. We've been there 20 years. Right. So babies born 19 and 20 years ago are adults now. They've never lived in a world where where the Taliban was in complete control. Right. So what's it going to be like for them to now suddenly go, oh, wait a minute. These guys are not messing around. They don't play the they don't play the game the way we do. New rules, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be an awful shock, awful oh, shock yeah. for for an entire generation of of, of kids or young Absolutely. adults now, you know, because they've lived their entire life with Americans there, keeping things somewhat stable, and saying, yeah. "Hey, girls are allowed to go to school," you know. And yeah. we're not going to cut off toes because somebody saw her wearing sandals. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the horrors of what that what what that regiment has done to their own people um, is is you know. I mean, we're going to start hearing stories about it again. It's going to start coming out. Oh yeah. You know, it, it, I mean, I've seen a little bit of it already in some of the places where they've they've already taken back over. And well, you know, they've all but taken over the entire country again in a matter of weeks. And, and did you hear how how much of the uh, government's army have deserted? Yeah, Desert, desertions have been just wild. We it's spent just, twenty years training three hundred and fifty thousand men to be in the Afghan army, and the Taliban started marching in, and they all laid down their guns and ran. Yeah, literally just laid down and, their guns and, and ran. And, and we and we ran off and left all kinds of equipment, and armaments, and stuff for them to, to, for the, to just walk in and take. Yeah. So now now they're equipped. Exactly. Yeah. Now they're they're even stronger than they were before because because the people in the Afghan army gave them their guns and ran away. And and then I see some arguments in the paper, but they promised that they will treat people humanely. Right. We'll see. Yeah, we promised. We'll see yeah. If those are any, we'll see. Any, we'll see. No, no way to enforce it. You know? I mean, in a sense, this is even worse than what happened in Vietnam because while the, the, the you know, communist Vietnamese, when they took over, were imposing a communist regimen which has issues, they weren't, you know, taking half of their society and saying, you know, this happened. Exactly. You know, they, they, they were saying, you know, we have a different political stance and it's, this is how things are going to, going to work now. But we weren't, they weren't literally looking at, you know, all the females in their society and saying that you have to cover your faces or we will throw acid on them. And you have to, you know, you know, if, if we see a foot that we're going to out from under your robe, then we're going to cut it off. So, you know, I mean, that's, that, that's barbaric. Yep. Absolutely barbaric. So. so anyway, I think we've probably covered the <laughs> we have more than we need to cover. 
<laughs> we have absolutely yeah well and i mean we obviously went off on a tangent here about what's going on in afghanistan that's not really uh tech related other than uh them using uh social media tools to communicate um you know across wide areas effectively which is um you know in and of yeah, itself it, that's a problem yeah especially if it's being used against americans you know yeah 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 no that's and, and i mean I, and we're saying that as if that was absolutely the case we don't know that the u.s government wasn't um uh monitoring and shutting down as necessary uh communication and they probably didn't do it like you said through twitter or through devices they probably did it through control of the of the cell networks but uh uh you know, there's nothing to say that some of these guys don't have satellite phones too. You know, I mean, they lived out well, in the boonies well, where there wasn't cells. So, well, I, I, if you if you go back and look at that article, I think there was a pretty big number of Twitter followers of this guy that w- was using it. It, me- it was mentioned, so I think mm-hmm. it sounded like the widespread, widespread mm-hmm. use. Yeah. So they. they they're yeah, just- you know, and 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 it can be coded messages, right? They can just they could they they could. Uh, put a, a a verse from the Quran in there and if it's a certain verse then everybody knows that means go do this right yeah so yeah anyway, I, you know historians uh, will sort it out maybe exactly well and you know what it's it's at this point as far as like you know the 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 on the ground fighting there that's a done deal i mean that's you know we're not there anymore um we're that's, we're rushing to get everybody out safely um and i haven't looked at the news this morning so i don't know uh or the today yet to see like you know what the status is but when i was going to bed last night they expected to have everybody uh out um in the next week and week and a half something like that and that they they basically already abandoned the american um uh, uh facilities and they've set up temporary facilities at the airport and basically all that space is is for right now is processing um afghan nationals who are applying for for um refugee status yeah and again like you had said and this this is the thing that bothers me too is why hadn't we already done that before we had the deadline we should have already processed virtually everybody saying hey you know this is what's happening guys you know you don't have to make a public announcement but you certainly go to your friends and say we're pulling out um you want to stay or you want to go because if you want to go we can help you but you know you got to get ready and go now and that should have been done months ago yep so well, yeah God, uh, see on that week. depressing note <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we'll uh, wrap it up and come back next monday huh we'll see what uh, what happens in the tech world you know um, we didn't talk at all about rumors but there's lots of rumors flying about uh, uh excuse me the uh september announcements and october announcements which are are just around the corner and so apple is uh probably got some interesting uh and i'm sure exciting and probably the best iphone that they've ever made um in fact i would bet you a dollar that somewhere in the presentation they'll say this is the best iphone we've ever made or the fastest or the lightest or the thinnest or something like that but it's going to be the the ever made is the how the line will finish because <laughs> yep. they do yeah. that every year it's always yeah, the best well, they wouldn't they wouldn't have anything to announce if they didn't 
That's right. This year we made an iPhone that's only as good as the one we made three years ago. That's yeah. that's not how by, they're going to market it. <laughs> by, by, by the way, I think the bigger, better discussion from a customer standpoint is after the see. I have the ten. Yeah. And I guess I guess I don't know what I care that could be improved on it. I mean, it's just right. now the rest of the stuff since then, and we're three years out from that. And I'm saying, mm-hmm. whoop de doo If I wanted to be a professional video a movie maker, uh, yeah, and use that camera. That you know, maybe I'd care, uh, but. Uh, there are some changes in terms of the quality of some of the video and the imagery that you can get and the photos that you can get. But honestly, if you're, that's what you care about, then you have to get the top-of-the-line 12 Pro Max, which is huge. And I, I kind of went away from the really huge, big phones. And so um, I've got just an 11 Pro. And, uh, and yeah, I, you know, I went from a 7 to the 11 Pro. So that's, that's how long I waited. Uh, because the seven was the best phone I had ever owned, and well, until it, uh, for me, it's like it's got to be a flip phone that folds up and gets smaller. Yeah, I mean that's the that's my motivation. Yeah, I honestly, yeah. and I haven't done it, but um, I I'm interested in going and and uh, into a store again before before Delta shuts everything down. I haven't seen in my hand how big the the mini is the new the one that they came out the smaller one because I would be tempted oh. to get the mini. I have gone the opposite direction. I feel like the phones have gotten too big and they're too heavy. And so yeah. I'm interested in a lighter, um, smaller phone that's comfortable in my hand. And, I mean, even even though it's lighter and smaller, it's still bigger than, than you know, like I think the iPhone 5 is the last one that I felt was like a light, small, comfortable phone. Um, you know, yeah. since then they've all gotten bigger and heavier. and uh, And that's great. I like big and heavy to some extent but it's just i think they've gone too far so um yeah you know so i'm i'm tempted to go just put one in my hand to see what it feels like but it's funny you know i remember the days when they when they were announcing a phone like when they first uh when the iphone 6 came out and they were talking about how big they were going to be i literally went and got a piece of wood that was roughly the same thickness as a phone like a piece of plywood like a three-eighths inch plywood and cut it to the dimensions of the phone and sanded it down and then carried it around for a couple days to say, well, is that phone too big? Because I had an iPhone six max. I got the biggest one at that time. And, uh, and I ended up liking it. I mean, that's, you know, I ended up getting the iPhone six max after carrying around my little piece of wood for a while, (laughs) but I had to know how big it was. Right. You know, it was like, well, how big is this thing? That seems awfully big. Uh, ironically, the iPhone 6 Max dimensionally is almost the same size as the non-Max version of the iPhone 11. Uh, wow. Well, so, but I, anyway, the, 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 the only other thing since then is the uh, communication speed. The what do they call it? Five. Oh, uh, the 5G is in there. Yes, G. they've got better cameras, which happens every year. They got 5G, uh-huh. um, which I still think is a don't care at this point for me. Um, uh-huh. I was trying to think about what else, you know. Um, I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen anything that's super compelling. Um, now, on the, on the back of the 10, does that have two cameras or three? It has one. One oh, camera. That back. No, no, no. It has two. I'm sorry. The flash it has is two. In the middle. That's what I yeah, thought. Yeah. Two. So the new Pro cameras now have three cameras. So you have a, uh, a telephoto, uh, a regular, and then an extra wide. And I actually like the extra wide. I in like fact, that, yeah. 
the non uh, the non pro 11s and 12s just the regular uh, 11 or uh, 12 has the regular and the extra wide it doesn't have the telephoto because apple did some math and said people aren't using the telephoto as much as they're using the wide that's the more desirable photo you know there's times when you're you can't back up any further and you just want to get everything in and so that little bit wider angle lens i think is actually pretty handy but uh by, by the way uh our church bought a large screen it's almost 80 by 80 but it's mm-hmm. not just a screen even though it's built by viewsonics okay you know yep. you've heard of viewsonics oh yeah they're computer monitor well, manufacturers among other things that's built in so we have the the like i was told the most luxurious viewsonic computer uh that they make with this enormous screen and it's in a conference room in our uh, uh, accessory building I don't know what else to call it there's offices and other things like that but where we meet for a Bible study and I went in uh, last week and got a briefing on how it works and how you can use it plus we have another one in our auditorium which is a, uh, uh, a behind the screen projector the projector the big you bring the thing down from the ceiling and when it gets down so far the projector comes on and you can see the picture projected from the back and uh, it's got a sound system off to the side uh, that uh, connects to it all as well and although it doesn't have a computer but you can plug your computer in and then project whatever you have onto the screen for meetings in, in this whole auditorium room but what I thought was of interest was while we were talking about cameras here is that uh, I was impressed, especially with the one in the conference room, how, uh, and, and I believe, uh, although I asked the question, they didn't know the answer to this. The girl didn't get into the details, but it looks to me like maybe it will will zoom in somehow. I don't know if it will uh, just straight zoom in or, or turn as well, but it could do both uh, because it looks like a pretty impressive uh, thing on the top there where this camera is. Uh, but uh, I, I got online and, and dialed into my friend's computer, which was hooked into this or into that computer, mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, looked through the, I could see the, uh, the people that were sitting in, clear in the back, and boy, you could, it was clear, good resolution camera, because uh, you could see their faces real well. And I thought, man, that's really gonna work well for our conference, and this will be the first time we use it this next Tuesday night. At our Bible study, so I'm kind of I'm kind of thinking about staying at home just so I can look through the camera and see how it works. Although if it's a good night, I said I was going to be there. My excuse anymore is if it's raining, then I don't take my scooter because I need that to get from the car into the church. Ah, yeah. Over to the building. Yeah, if it's uh, drizzly, it's so it's a mess. Then I'm looking at the ViewSonic ViewBoard. They have a 98-inch one that's ten thousand dollars. Oh, and then they they've got a 75 inch one that is $3700. I think I think ours must be that one. Yeah, it's the ViewSonic ViewBoard and uh it's a 75 inch touch touchscreen LCD monitor. Yep. Touchscreen. Yep. And that was that was interesting when you're standing in front of something that big and trying to use touchscreen, it's really awkward. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a whole wall. Here, reach over there. A, and you know. it's a 20-point infrared touch technology. 
If you've only got 10 fingers, but two of you can stand there and put all 10 fingers up and it'll recognize all 10 or 20 points of touch. Wow. That's, that's something. So, and it's interesting too, that you, you said that the, the camera, this doesn't have a camera built into it, but it's obviously they've got a camera set up with it that uh, really works well, huh? Oh, they didn't sell it with it? With it? Well, it or doesn't, it, uh, it's, it's got a variety of inputs and stuff here. Uh, even in fact, you can put a, a, a computer module. So there's a plugin, so you can turn it into a standalone computer if you want. So I don't know how they bought it, you know, how your church spec'd it. So apparently it's, it's well, kind of modular. They, well, when they first brought it up, they actually had to choose, I don't think it was the words PC, but basically, oh, it was windows, but you didn't yeah. have to choose windows. Uh, I, I meant to ask the gal, can I say Mac? Uh, but it didn't give you a choice right i i think the module that plugs into it is windows or or linux but if you wanted to just use it as a because it's a 4k interactive screen screen so it's just a 4k screen it's just a really really big one that you could plug in any computer you wanted i mean you could it's got an hdmi slot so you can just plug in a 4k you know as long as you have the uh the right um uh you know you need the high speed hdmi cable to handle 4k um, but shoot, you know, people sell 4K televisions now, so f- that's not hard to find. Right. Oh, it also uses DisplayPort 1.2, so it has a D- DisplayPort connector as well. So if you don't want to use HDMI, you can use the DisplayPort connector. Um, yeah, uh, I, I could see there was a computer behind it, and you yeah. and it has access ports you can plug into the computer. Right. So, so. there, so they have the computer module that that, that attaches to it, which is going to be Windows right. or Linux if you want to put that on there. But like I said, it's got other yeah. ports, so you could plug a different computer into it if you wanted to. Yeah, this computer didn't look more than three inches thick or wide yeah. behind the... Yeah, it says built-in slot for optional PC module. So you can plug a PC into it. Um, oh. But you could also take one of those little like Intel Nook computers, which is basically a little flat computer, very much like a, um, a Mac uh, uh, Mini. And I've got a, I've got a Nook computer that that's basically the same shape and size as an Apple TV, um, and not the new, later version four ones that are like double thick. I mean, it's only an inch and a half thick. That's that's like a little square hockey puck that you could you know easily mount to the back of a monitor and have as a standalone computer. Uh, yeah. So, lots of options in computers these days. In fact, you can even buy computers that literally plug into the HDMI port. And and that yeah. is a full full working computer, so they can run I'll Windows. To, and I'll have to look at that a little closer now. I'll see if they've got it via HDMI. Probably would be my guess. Yeah, but I would uh, I, I absolutely just sitting here reading the specs on it. You could go and put a um, uh, you know plug in any computer you wanted. Basically, it's just a monitor. See now the the touch screen would not work with Mac because Mac doesn't support touch screen. Oh, that's right. Huh. Yeah, I, I wonder how that was. Windows supports touchscreen. It does. I guess they do, yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, I, I I didn't notice any cables hanging down anywhere, so I don't know quite how they plugged these into the into the monitor but it must maybe it's inside that box. Yeah. Well, if it's the one if it's the if it's the 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 uh, PC module that's that's you can buy with it. It just plugs into a slot, so I'm sure it connects all of its um, uh, oh. you know video and everything directly through the slot that it plugs into, which makes oh. sense, right? Why would you want cables hanging down? Yeah. 
Right. So. Yeah, I didn't say any cables were on. It's interesting. I'm looking at the, they have a 55, a 65, and a 75 inch version. The 55 is 2,000. The 65 is 2,400, and the 75 is 2,700. And I'm like, if you're spending three thousand dollars, <laughs> if you're spending three thousand yeah. dollars, then uh, uh, oh, oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. The seventy-five is thirty-seven hundred. So it's not. It's 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 more than a thousand dollars more than the sixty-five hundred. Okay. I was when I first looking at, it, I was thought, okay, so the difference between these from the fifty-five to the seventy-five is six hundred bucks. It's like, well, you're spending three thousand dollars. Why wouldn't you spend the six hundred dollars to get the the biggest one? Because uh, you know, and then the jump to the uh, to the ninety eight inch goes up to ten grand, so that one's nuts. Uh, ninety five hundred, but yeah, uh, but yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Like that's a that's a big screen. That's a wall. Yeah, it it really is. It's uh, and it's impressive as can be. It's a nice picture, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, I don't know how. Yeah, it, it, it was although. I say that, you know, you can buy a 75-inch 4K television set for less than $1,000. Now, it doesn't have the touch functionality, but uh-huh. if you just wanted a big, big screen so that people could see it, you know, in a room, why wouldn't you just buy a 75-inch 4K TV for, you know, I, I'd, 700 I'd bucks? Have had, I'd rather have had a control panel or something that you sit, like, uh, with an iPad or something at the at the table somewhere and control what's going on up there. Uh-huh. It doesn't, didn't seem to have that. I didn't like that business. Yeah. I have that. Go back and work, I have you know? a big I have a big screen 4K TV with an Apple TV plugged into it and I can sit back on my couch and use my iPad and display it up on the screen and do whatever I want in 4K. Yeah. And it costs a lot less. <laughs> I didn't spend $3500. Well, you know, this these are our we don't. We don't have an IT expert there. <laughs> ah, therein lies the problem. Goes back to what I was saying about uh, when we were talking about who was in, who was uh, at fault, right, for bad IT choices. It's not the CEO. It's whoever is the default IT guy. And obviously, whoever the default IT guy was got in the ear of the bishop and said, "Let's do this." <laughs> Here's some cool technology I can't afford to buy, but I'd love to play with. We need one of these. <laughs> And, and I'd be lying if there wasn't certain technology buys that when I was the IT guy for the newspapers I worked for, that wasn't the criteria in some cases, because it absolutely was. <laughs> there was times when it was like, I'm not even quite sure how we're going to use this, but it's pretty cool technology and we can probably figure it out. Let's get one. <laughs> of course, I, I never I never pitched site. it that way. I'm on the ViewSonic site and I found some talks here on how to use their equipment. I'm going to have to go through this because oh, yeah. I'm sure I'll get more details than what what those gals told us yeah no i i bet yeah you can you can end up being the it guy everybody will come to you and say hey jack we want this thing to uh do x y and z does it do it can you help us and you're gonna go like i saw that in the video sure we could do that let's sit down and figure it out what i really need is a uh model number so i got a you know i know exactly what i want to exactly yeah 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 i mean i'm looking at you know what's available i'm looking at i think what is it uh Oh, I'm looking at B&H uh, uh, photo, video, and audio, B&H website. Um, they, mm-hmm. um, 
they sell a lot of technology stuff. And so that's where I just, I clicked on a link. And so they've got like, you know, specs and reviews and Q and a and overview and that kind of stuff of this particular thing. I have no idea if they make, uh, you know, multiple versions of this. So, but it sounds oh. like that it's got some pretty, pretty interesting features beyond just being a big 75 inch TV screen. Yeah. Wow. They got a whole bunch of videos here. Uh, I, I can see it now. Next week, I'm going to talk to you, and you're going to be the the uh, ViewSonic <laughs> uh, ViewBoard expert for your church. Yeah, new setup here. Best monitor I've ever used. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell anyway. you what, if you if you have trouble seeing the monitor in front of you, this will solve that problem, huh? <laughs> <laughs> 75 yeah. inches. That's just nuts, you know, for yeah. a computer monitor. I mean, honestly, I'm using a television set as the computer monitor in my office right now. And I have a 4K TV in front of me, and I think it's like a 40-inch. And that's really too big. <laughs> I really have I have to turn my head and rotate to see from one corner to the next and down. <laughs> and, so, and so almost everything, I, I, I do almost nothing full screen. Everything is, is a window downsize, and I put it smaller and put it in front of me. Because uh, yeah. it's, it's just too big. Too big, yeah. Yeah, it's too big. So, I used to have so you, a I used to have a pair of 27-inch monitors side by side, so I had this wide view. The monitor that I have now is almost as wide, but it's probably 40% taller because it's now more oops, more uh, TV-shaped instead of two two monitors side by side. But I don't have that bar down the middle anymore. So But honestly, I mean, if you're being if you're being truthful, I, 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 if I were being truthful, I'd say the 27 inch monitor is probably big enough for most stuff. You really don't need a 40 inch monitor in front of you. You know, I mean, was it that's why Apple, the biggest ones they've made, or I think ever were like 30 inch or 32 inch. Um, uh, what they're what what some of these are really uh, promoting is their use for video editing setup and for, for, for right photography editing so yep you need a lot of space then yeah yeah yep that's it well that's not what we bought it for (laughs) they bought it for people to meet in the room and and share a video that you got a nice screen so people can see it well from the mm-hmm. back and a camera that you can see them real well and they're even though they're in the back and, and uh anyway it's uh it was it was interesting i it, it was there before the pandemic but i'd forgotten about it and so now uh we're trying to get back in and get a room and we we've we've got uh myself and a couple other guys that are handicapped and uh kind of got used to the zoom kind of thing mm-hmm. and uh one of them is a deacon and so he can't make it to the me- meeting at all because he's paralyzed and uh-huh. another part of his body he sits in a wheelchair all the time so anyway uh we we, we needed the whole setup to still use zoom to at least that's the way we've got him set up i don't we could we could uh, go to a an improved capability, but it's got to be at least that Zoom-like. Yeah. You know? So, 
By the way, I think Zoom has made some significant improvements and as time goes on, as we as we use these things, we see uh, a, lot, a lot of better capabilities. I, oh, I they've definitely... Right now. They've definitely improved over time. They've worked um, hard. Now, they've also gotten in trouble because they claimed that there was some encryption and end-to-end -end security built into their system that wasn't there, so now they're in court um, basically advertising a lie. Um but uh, but they've definitely, as far as the usability, just beaten everybody. I mean, Zoom is so easy to set up and use that that's become yeah. the default. Yep. So. Yeah, I I heard that uh, you know, uh, I know Microsoft has theirs as group or something like that or whatever. Yeah, Microsoft Teams is their Team. over yeah. Teams Team. is their sort of overreaching name for their product. And and the word was out that that somehow Microsoft or Apple is kind of uh, thinking about doing something like that too. But I I forgot what they called it. But it was uh, anyway. They they haven't announced anything yet unless they do this fall. Mm -hmm. But the, the fall thing it usually is hardware products. That's that's a bigger thing. If you got software, that'll be some other time of the year. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's. Uh... You know, I mean, it, it. it's not like other companies don't have the underlying technology to do it. They just haven't had the will to do it at this point. Um, you know, although well, Ap I, Apple, Apple won't, won't, won't even announce it until it's better than Zoom. Right. Well, and they have said that they, you know, they have created a web interface to their um, to their product so that you can now FaceTime with uh, with Windows and Android people. And I think that's yeah. coming in the next version of the software, which will be out in the fall. Uh, it's in beta right now. So, so they have opened that door a little bit, um, but uh, will you know? It remains to be seen whether or not that's a Zoom killer or whether it's just another. Eh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, in that business, it's got to be a Zoom killer or it's nothing. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's if if you can't. You can't beat the, the the market leader, then why are you bothering, right? Right. Yeah. So, anyway, it's kind of interesting that a that a that a video screen display company has delved into the into the business uh, as much as they have with this uh, product. I don't know how many of them they're selling out there in the business market, but uh, it's. You know, if you want to stand up at a board in a uh, conference room or something, it's certainly got a lot of features that are useful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it, you know, like I said, it's it's over over and above just a big screen TV because you could do a 4K 75 inch big screen TV for a third the price, but the yeah. fact that you can you can uh, turn it into a standalone computer by putting in the computer module the fact that the entire thing has a touchscreen built onto it also adds to the ability you know it's those things that you see like the tv weatherman standing in front of now right where he touches it or on the sports shows the guy will touch it and say okay well see now we'll start the play you watch the play he taps it again to pause the play um yeah. you know and so there's a lot yeah. of interesting things you can do there i i, I think you hit on it the, the weathermen are probably using some of these view, view sonics yeah yeah, no, I think I've seen them do it there, and I've seen them do it on the sports programming on ESPN, so I know they've got one, yeah. at least one there, if not multiple. 
Um, yep. But but again, because it's you know they've got fast refresh rates and and touchscreen interface, you can put a camera on it without getting scan lines, and and uh, you know and then have an interactive screen while you're talking. You can have your displays and stuff pop up. You can have your PowerPoint pop up. So um, it's got right. a lot of cool stuff. Yep. Cool PowerPoint. stuff. What, what's that? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Nobody does that anymore. Well, what I meant to say was was Google, um, uh, what do they call theirs? Uh, Google Present. That's that's where everybody does it. <laughs> and and I say that only half jokingly because that's where most the the world does it now because they can do that and it's free to, free to use. So uh, you know people aren't buying the office PowerPoint. suite and they're not using yeah. um, they're not using the uh, the the Mac tools either even though those come free with Macs. I don't know, there's still a lot of people who prefer some of the Mac tools. You know, I think the the their their presentation software is superior, their word processor is passable, and their spreadsheet is unusable compared to Excel. That would uh, of the Apple and of the Google products, quite frankly. Well, I um, thought Excel was a great product. Yeah, I still think Excel is the superior product. And in fact, if you talk to any accounting department anywhere in the world, they will look at you. If you say, do you, you know, use Google Sheets or use use um, uh, numbers, they'd look yeah. at you like you're insane. They're like, no, we use Excel and we're not changing. <laughs> right. You know, yep. it's just it is it is by far the best spreadsheet. Um, you know, I, you, I used to know the guy when he that developed that. Microsoft, but I can't remember anymore who, who it was. But he, I mean, he's obviously, I know he went and moved on. He was an older guy. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway. Wasn't that, wasn't, wasn't Excel um, one of those that was actually purchased initially and then Apple, or I mean, and then Microsoft then continued to develop it? It, it wasn't one that was originally. Had, he may have had some of that done, you know, before Microsoft got it, but. But yeah. nevertheless, he, he was a bright guy, and yeah. and and uh, I bring it up because I used to read all those PC mags and stuff. You know, right, had all that kind of stuff in it. Yeah, but I just have forgotten. Yeah, it's been a long time. So, well, maybe we can we can uh, talk a little bit about the history of Excel next week. But we've now managed to talk for another twenty minutes after we said we were going to be done. So, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. you need to go get lunch, and I need to go get yep. breakfast. So, why don't we call it a day? Uh, okay, Todd. We thank you all for joining us on Generation Tech this week. We'll be back again next week, starting our second year of weekly Yay. broadcasts. <laughs> Look for us on Mondays in your favorite podcast player. Have a great week. Bye-bye. <laughs>